Welcome to Some Like It Pop, Broadway World's pop culture podcast. I am Broadway World and Broadway Radio's Matt Timonini, and as always, I'm joined by the brains of our operation, Broadway World's Jennifer McHugh. Jen, uh, this is the first time we're talking post-Emmy Awards. What did you think of the ceremony? <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? No, not ne- not necessarily. I mean, I think the... Well, we can talk about more in depth, but I think, eh, is probably a, uh, a fine summation of the entire event. You can follow Jen and all of her ants on Twitter at EponineQ, that's E-P-O-N-I-N-E-Q, and you can follow me at B-W-W-M-A-T-T, and you can follow us collectively as the show on Twitter at S-L-I-P Podcast. So, Jen, getting back to this Emmys thing, I look at it and I break it up into two sections. The actual awards and everything that happened around the awards. For the most part, I was pretty pleased with the awards. Needless to say, because I won our collective uh, predictions, I had 18 out of 19. You had 16 out of 19. I think both pretty respectable for us. But I was pretty happy with the winners. Everything else was hit or miss for me. I thought Stephen Colbert did fine, but nothing really stood out specifically for me. I really liked his opening number. I thought it was cute. I'm always going to root for musical numbers as a part of any award show. Um but he and he has a good voice, so I thought that was cute. Incorporating all the shows, it's like a good old throwback to Billy Crystal at the Oscars. But um, no, there was nothing really like I can do without some of the bits. You know, there's so many friggin' awards and there's so much going on. Like I could do without some of the bits. And and I, I agree with you. Congratulations on your victory. And uh, the awards were satisfying overall. But the show itself it was fine. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I've already basically forgotten it. <laughs> yeah, I think you and I had, had this conversation after you watched it because you, you didn't watch it live. You watched it the next day or something. I wonder how long the Emmys will continue to be on network television because they didn't get great ratings. They got the second lowest ratings of all time, which isn't a super big surprise because everything on network TV is declining in ratings. But also, no networks won anything. On Sunday night, networks' primetime shows won two awards. The Outstanding Competition Reality, whatchamacallit, for The Voice, and then Sterling K. Brown winning for This Is Us. Those are the only two that won anything. So I wonder if at some point this is going to move to TBS or... I don't, I don't know who else would broadcast this, you know, but you know, I, I wonder if that'll happen in the future because networks might say, I don't want to spend this much money for a show that doesn't get great ratings and kind of subtly says our our shows aren't very good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I was literally just talking to my mom and I asked if she watched and she said, why would I? I don't watch any of their shows. So I feel like that's where the kind of general consensus is like, yes, you and I are TV junkies, so we'll hunt it down. But my mom's going to turn on NBC, ABC and CBS. And if she doesn't watch something, she doesn't watch something. But that's it. So yeah, I mean, I have to agree. I don't know where it would be broadcast. I mean, they're not going to you don't think they would broadcast it like on a paid site like HBO or something, do you? I don't. I mean, that's why I said TBS, just because I think they do like the Screen Actors Guild Awards or something. But just because I think it would have to be on like a basic cable channel. And I guess that that or TNT or I, I don't know what else it would be on. But I would think cable is its likely landing spot if the networks continue to not see a whole lot of return for their buck. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is here, because it's funny how TV is more popular than ever, and TV awards are less popular than ever. Is that a fair comparison to make? Yeah, probably. I mean, and it's kind of on the converse. We see it in the movie side, like movie attendance for this past summer was 
horrendous. Nobody went and saw movies this summer, especially compared to what they were doing in previous decades. But yet the Oscars are still like this huge event that people watch, even if they don't see any of the movies that are up for contention. Yeah, it's it's strange. I don't know what the solution is. However, I'm trying to remember the last time I watched an award show where something regarding Hamilton wasn't involved. And that is not a complaint, <laughs> no. but I feel like we should head in that direction because clearly it's the right way. Well, yes, uh, C. Jack, Christopher Jackson, General George Washington himself sang the In Memoriam song. Yeah. I, hey, I love C. Jack going back to uh, In the Heights and uh, definitely enjoy him being a part of anything. And I did like that uh, Viola Davis introduced him as Tony nominee and Emmy winner. He is an Emmy winner for writing songs for Sesame Street. So congratulations to him. That's actually not new. He's been an Emmy winner for a few years now. But anyway, Jen, let's get on to the show itself. We're going to talk about this upcoming fall TV season. We're going to talk about new shows that we're excited to see, returning shows that we're excited to watch again, and then some shows that we really aren't too excited about. <laughs> and per the usual, we will finish the episode with a little show and tell. So Jen, we're going to start off by counting down five shows that each of us are excited about that are new for this fall television season. As we've said before, the fall television season tends to revolve around network shows that are going to be running for the entire duration of both the fall and the spring, these 22-episode seasons. Kind of some of these prestige things that gets recognized at the Emmy Awards and the shows that you and I tend to gravitate towards more, those tend to start in the in the, the second half of the season, in January or maybe into February when the second sweeps period happens. So these necessarily, Jen, aren't the shows that we're going to be most super excited about, but I still think there's some things in here that are starting over the next month or two that are pretty exciting. So, Jen, why don't you start off? What is the first show that you are most interested in watching and seeing if it's any good, seeing if it lives up to expectations? That's starting here in the fall on presumably network television. Well, two questions. One, are we going to go in order of like the most excited? Uh, you can go however you want. I'm going to try not to repeat yours. So if on okay. my list you have one that you mentioned, I'll say, hey, that was on my list too. But I'll move on to something else so we don't repeat ourselves. So if you want to go in your most, the one you're most excited about or maybe start at five, that's fine too. I'll follow your lead on this. Second question, can we include things that have already started? Are like, but they're like starting, like they're still considered part of the fall season. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, then let me start there. I uh, am going to talk about The Deuce, which is uh, HBO's latest jaunt <laughs> into the Sunday night lineup. Um, are, are you watching this? It doesn't seem like your bag. Um, no, it's a show about like 1970s porn, right? Yeah, so it's like totally up my alley. Yeah. I did not mean that. I regret it, but I'm keeping it. Um, Go for it. Yeah, from David Simon, who did the uh, the wire. wire. Yeah. So we're two two episodes deep. <laughs> totally not meaning these. And um, <laughs> I have a cold. I'm on a lot of cold medicine. Um, we're two episodes in. <laughs> Jesus. And it is like Matt said, set in the seventies um, about the rise of the sex industry. So it's like, while it was illegal and it was starting to become like figuring out a way to become mainstream, uh, James Franco is the star. He plays twin brothers. Maggie Gyllenhaal plays a prostitute who she usually bugs me. She does not bug me in this. She's very good. And uh, I just love that era. I love dirty, filthy, dangerous New York city in the seventies. And, um, Two episodes in, it's really good. And I watched the pilot and 
halfway through the first episode, I was like, I don't know if I'm into this. And by the end, I was just hooked. So it's only 10 episodes. Thought I'd check it out. I'm really interested. And um, so far, it's really enjoyable. Uh, David Simon uh, created this show with a another man named George Pelicanos, who I believe he worked with on The Wire. Um, but he's a crime writer by trade. And I've actually read one or two of his novels. And they're very good. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that this has great content from, from those two. And uh, a fantastic cast has James Franco, has Maggie Gyllenhaal, um, has... Um, uh, Emily Mead, who was in the first season of The Leftovers. Uh, Zoe Kazan is in it as well. Uh, Gary Pastor. So there's a, a really nice cast in here. So I'm not surprised that it's a, a good show. But like you said, it's not necessarily my thing. It sounds kind of similar. What was that? Was it an HBO show or a Cinemax show with Bobby Cannavale that was like the uh, the music industry yeah, was, at about um, the same time? That was vinyl. And it was more yeah, about the late 70s and the rise of funk and hip hop. Uh, this is not about that. It's definitely about rising, but not uh, music. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm on so much cold medicine. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go in a completely different direction with this one. Um, I am excited for the new Fox television series called The Gifted. This one premieres on October 2nd at 9 p.m. Jen, this is one that I'm sure you might not even know exists, but this is yet another Marvel Comics TV product. This is kind of straying away from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is actually an X-Men property. Um, and it has to do with teenagers and young people who have mutant abilities that are being hunted by the government. And two ordinary parents take their family on the run when they realize that their kids are mutants. And then they kind of develop a group of other people, uh, of other mutants with them. Most of the characters are based on existing uh, X-Men characters. There are a couple new mutants that have been created specifically for this, but it's got a fantastic cast. Uh, Stephen Moyer from True Blood, which I never really watched, but apparently that's a good thing. Then there's nerd goddess Amy Acker, who is fantastic in everything. I loved her on Person of Interest. She's just the best. Then Jamie Chung, who you might remember from like the road rules, real world challenges back in the day. And she's done a bunch of other stuff. But then, Jen, did you ever get into Bunheads uh, a couple years ago with Sutton Foster? <laughs> we, we've had this conversation know, a few perhaps. times. I did not know, but okay. you always rave about it. Yeah, um, Bunheads was Sutton Foster was like a dance teacher. And then there were like four ballerinas who were like her main students. A couple of them have gone on to have pretty good careers. One of them has been one of the stars on the uh, Showtime show, The Affair, for the entire run of the show. Another one named Emma DeMont, she plays Polaris, one of the mutants on this show. So I'm really looking forward to this one. It has a really cool-looking vibe, um, and it's gotten really good reviews from the critics who have seen it so far. So that is The Gifted, which is premiering on Fox on October 2nd at 9 p.m. Jen, what else do you have? Well, I know this will come as no surprise. I know I'm... which one you're going to say. Can I guess? <laughs> sure. Can I guess? Law and Order, True Crime, The Menendez Brothers. God, I'm so transparent. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm a sucker for true crime. And this is one of my, I hesitate to use the word favorite, but um, my most, uh, well, favorite cases ever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've stated before that I've traced in therapy back um, to this moment in my life when I decided not to have children was when I watched the Menendez brothers trial. Um, Ooh, okay. <laughs> uh, so law and order's taking, you know, doing a, their take on true crime and 
they're going to bring this to life, the trial. I remember it like it was yesterday. And the in- incomparable Edie Falco is taking on the role of Les- Leslie Abramson. Uh, I don't even know who's playing the Menendez brothers because in all the posters on the buses that passed me on the yes. traffic and traffic, it's like just the sweaters, which they were famous for. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, true crime's all the rage right now. I, I liked it before it was cool. I still feel weird saying that. <laughs> Man, you are not but, um, painting your you I are am, not painting yourself in a great picture right now. Between no. you talking about how much you love the porn industry and now how much you love murderers, it's just, my, this is getting my, a little weird. My entire opinion so far has been porn and murder. <laughs> oh, autobiography title, and um, yeah. So anyway, that's not a big surprise, but I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I don't know how it's going to go because it's on network TV, and all these other true crime things have been on cable so they're gonna have to pg it up a little bit and it was not pg at all so i'm very much looking forward to that i believe it premieres next week on nbc uh yeah on the 26th of september at 10 p.m okay so nbc is slowly trying to win me back in their favor because i I have a few things on their schedule this year so that's disappointing (laughs) um this was actually going to be on my list as as well it was a little further down, so I didn't think I'd get to it because I knew it would be high on yours. But yeah, I'm interested to see what they do with this. Obviously, after the success of American Crime Story, The People versus O.J. Simpson, um, it makes sense that Law & Order tries to dive into this, so I'm excited to see how they do it, and Edie Falco is fantastic, and as long as they keep the dun-dun, I think it'll be fine. So, alright, I'm going to move on to my next show. This is one that premieres on ABC on October 3rd at 10pm, and I Know almost absolutely nothing about it, Jen. This one is called Kevin Probably Saves the World. All I really know is, is that it's kind of a fantasy drama that has an angel thing factored into it. It stars Jason Ritter as the titular Kevin. I've loved Jason Ritter for a long time, going back to another kind of uh, religious-themed drama, uh, Joan of Arcadia. He's obviously um, Jonathan Ritter's son. He's done a bunch of other stuff since then. So just the fact that he's in this makes me excited to see it. Uh, Joanna Garcia Swisher is in it as well. Um, she's fantastic, um, not only because she's married to a former baseball player who went to Ohio State, um, but she was great on, if you go back to Reba, and then on a show called Privileged, which was only on for a season, but she was great on that. Um, I have no idea what this is about, but other than the fact that Apparently, Kevin probably saves the world. There's some angels involved, and it's got a cast of a couple people that I really enjoy. I have not heard of that, but uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, Jason Ritter's great. So, I mean, I think it's got the ability to be good, but this is also one, Jen, it's kind of one of those high concept shows that it either hits really, really well or it's gone in like three or four episodes. So, I've got my fingers crossed that this will stick around for a while, but I'm a little worried it might not. Did they change the name? Because I have it listed as the Gospel of Kevin. Yes, that is what it used to be called. It was called the Gospel of Kevin, but they have changed it to the much more um, commercially viable Kevin Probably Saves the World, I say dripping with sarcasm. Okay, then. This may again surprise you, but with a Hamilton connection, I am looking for... I know what this one is, too. The David Diggs-produced comedy called The Mayor. This is a new comedy starring Yvette Nicole Brown, who's one of my favorites, not only from community, but also as a person. She's so freaking great on Talking Dead and in interviews and on Twitter. I love her. Um, But it's basically about a rapper who runs for mayor as a joke and winds up winning. And I watched the pilot 
because it's available now on Hulu, even though it doesn't premiere for another few weeks. And I wasn't overwhelmed by it, but I mean, we've said so many times how hard it is to nail a pilot, especially in a comedy to set up such a heavy concept. But I'm, I'm worried that the concept is great, but like, as you mentioned, I don't know if it's sustainable because it's a really great idea, but I don't know how long it can go. Um, but there was a lot of uh, good things about it. Like he has two friends who he who support him, and he decides to bring on his staff, much to the chagrin of his chief of staff, played by Leah Michelle. So I think there's potential. I I I don't know how it'll do. Um, David made a cameo, so I was happy, and uh, I'm I'm interested to see if it'll it'll pick up the pace and, and last because um, it's a great concept. Yeah, a lot of the critics who have seen multiple episodes of this um, say that it does, in fact, get better. The pilot's good, but the, it gets better as it goes. And like you said, I mean, we we talk about this every season when this stuff rolls around. Comedies are nearly impossible to get a pilot right. Like, it has to be just a perfect amalgamation of everything because humor is is developed because – people understand the world that it lives in. You have to kind of understand the context of jokes to make them work. That's why a great comedy pilot is so hard to find. Um, and it sounds like this one is good and it's there, but it might mostly, but it mostly sets things up moving forward. So that will debut on ABC on October 3rd at 9 30 PM. That was also on my list. Um, so just to keep track of that. So, you know, that we are overlapping a little bit, Jen, I hesitate to mention this next one. Cause I think it might be something that's on your list as well. Um, but I'm going to mention a Fox TV show, a half an hour comedy called ghosted. Um, this will star Adam Scott and Craig Robinson. They are, um, kind of paranormal um, investigators recruited by an organization called the Bureau Underground. One of them's a skeptic. One of them is a genius who is a true believer. And they kind of investigate supernatural, unexplained things in Los Angeles. I think these two guys are hysterical. I love uh, Adam Scott and Craig Robinson. Um, so I'm in on this. I uh, With a cast like this, I don't know that you can go wrong with Ghosted, which premieres on Fox on October 1st at 8.30 p.m. That absolutely was on my list. So I need to find another show. <laughs> my bad. Um, no, that's great. But I, I mean, I was going to say the same kind of thing because I like goofy comedies. I, I, I'm surprised it's on your list because it doesn't seem like your thing. But the charm of adam scott and craig robinson is undeniable so i feel like even if the trailer was worse and it's not bad at all uh i would check it out because of those two guys um i just think they're the greatest so i i hope that it does well all right jen so uh do you have a fourth one if you have to come back to another a fifth one because i got yours but do you have another one uh ready to go i do um it's called white famous and this yes. is a show on Showtime starring um, SNL cast off, I guess we would say we would say Jay Farrow. And it also stars the beloved Utkarsh Amdukar. I hope I said that correctly. Not even close. Um, but Utkarsh he Amdukar. Yeah, him. He, another Hamilton alum and bestie with Lynn. Uh, yeah, just to clarify, he's never been in a production of Hamilton, but he was involved in the early... Vassar workshops loopholes. 
Uh, he's Lynn's bestie, so we give him a pass no matter what. But he's also super talented. He's he's more famous for the Pitch Perfect movies, and he plays Mindy Lahiri's brother on the Mindy Project. But he's super funny. I, I, I really enjoy him. But White Famous is basically about this uh, comedy comedian, comedy comedian, cold medicine, Jay Farrow, and he gets a chance to be in a movie with Jamie Foxx, and he's about to go from being marginally well-known to quote-unquote white famous where um the color of your skin doesn't even matter anymore i think they quote it as being like will smith before all the jada shit so um (laughs) the trailer doesn't really reveal a lot it's kind of really all i know about it but again a lot of these i'm going on the cast i I love jay farrow i love the concept of this and so i'm gonna give it a whirl october 15th on showtime yeah, I follow uh, Umbud on his uh, on Instagram, and he's been showing a lot of stuff filming behind the scenes, and uh, he's great. Uh, so I, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing this one as well. All right, the next one for me is yet another superhero-themed show, and this is Marvel's Runaways. This one doesn't actually premiere until uh, November 21st, and it's going to be on Hulu. But this one is a little different than what we normally see. This has to do with six teenagers from completely different backgrounds who figure out that their parents are criminals, that their parents are like supervillains, and they unite to kind of fight against them to do something good. This is a very popular uh, series for Marvel in the comic books. It's got a pretty interesting cast. Uh, James Marsters, also known as Spike from uh, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer universe. He plays one of the evil fathers. Uh, Annie Wershing, who was on uh, 24. She was on the other Kiefer Sutherland show called Touch. She was also on All My Children, or I'm sure the General Hospital. You know, she's in it as well. So it's a, it's a pretty interesting cast, but I love the Runaways comic books. So I was all in on this. Uh, Julian McMahon, who is no stranger to superhero things, having been uh, Dr. Doom in the not the last Fantastic Four, but the Fantastic Four before that with like Chris Evans and uh, Michael Chiklis and Jessica Alba and one other person that I don't remember. But um, so, yeah, so, I mean, I, this is an interesting one. It's a really great concept. These characters that are the main six kids are great. There's, you know, all these cross sections. It's, it's diverse. It's uh, just a really great story. I would recommend if you have time, this doesn't debut until, you know, late November, uh, checking out the comic books. They're really, really good if this is interesting to you. And uh, and we'll see what happens from there. But uh, I'm I've got high high expectations to see how Hulu does venturing into this Marvel universe, um, especially after the last few things that Netflix has done have not been great, and some of the things that have on ABC lately also not great. I'm going to talk about another one of those shows later. But I'm telling you, it's not in this list. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see another kind of approach to these Marvel characters. You know what's funny is before when you were talking about the Kevin show, I kind of thought you were going to start talking about Kevin can wait, oh, and God. I was going to make fun of you, but I'm glad that no. you didn't. <laughs> no, I did not. I did not. All right. Did you have time to find a new one uh, uh, to replace uh, Ghosted? Yeah. Um, again, I'm going to base it on cast, and this is ABC's new crime drama, 10 Days in the Valley, starring Kira Sedgwick. It's basically going to be another kind of an American crime is American crime where it's, you know, a single story over uh, a short run of episodes um, with one case. So I think this one is about a kidnapping and believe it or not, there's going to be twists and turns and things that you don't see coming, but (laughs) that's my favorite kind of shit. Sorry. 
favorite kind of stuff. <laughs> I need more cold medicine. Um, that's premiering October 1st on ABC, so I'm going to check that out. Yeah, Kira Cedric, anything she does is usually probably going to be good. So I'm totally down with that. All right, Jen, my last uh, one that is a show that I'm looking forward to seeing, I'm, I'm a little nervous about because I think this could go really, really well, or this could go really, really poorly. Um, and this is a show that is debuting on ABC uh, next week on the 25th of September at 10 p.m., and it is called The Good Doctor. It has to do with a young, brilliant pediatric surgeon who has autism and savant syndrome, and really... The only reason that I'm looking forward to it is because of who plays that main character. And that is Freddie Highmore, who, as on our last episode, we talked about, you talked about Bates Motel. He played Norman Bates on Bates Motel, and he's now the lead character in this. And I think he's fantastic. Richard Schiff from the West Wing is also in it as well. He plays the president of the hospital and the mentor to Freddie Highmore's character. So I'm, I, I've got my fingers crossed because I feel like this could be, really interesting and really complex and compelling, or it could be absolutely drivel. Um, like I think it could kind of go the house way and have really kind of interesting stuff, or it could go that one called like the black box that had, um, like a, like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing with one of the main, it was just awful. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this goes. And again, it premieres on September 25th at 10 PM, but on the strength of Freddie Highmore, I'm, I'm going to watch it. And the other interesting thing about this show, Jen, is that it was created by two people. One, David Shore, who created House. The other by Daniel Day Kim, who I don't know as a producer or a show creator, but I know as an actor from both Lost and Hawaii Five-0 and Angel, uh, but he apparently is now producing uh, The Good Doctor, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Interesting. Okay, great insight there. Um, <laughs> all right, Jen, so those are the five shows that each of us are looking forward to premiering here in the fall. Now we're going to do a complete 180 and go to the shows that we have absolutely no interest in watching that are premiering here in the fall. I think we'll probably have some overlap, but I'm interested to see how much overlap we have. So, Jen, why don't you start us off? What do you have absolutely zero interest in watching, regardless of whether or not we think it will become a hit? Because some of these things I'm sure will be very, very popular, but I just won't care one way or the other. Our last episode, we agreed way too much. So I will say that two of the shows on this list for me were on yours that you're excited about. <laughs> I can probably guess what they are, but that's fine. Okay. The first one is, well, I wrote down the Gospel of Kevin, but apparently it's Kevin who will probably do something Kevin, about the Kevin world. Kevin probably yep. saves the world. Yes. Yeah. Um, and not my thing. I love Jason Ritter. He's just adorable and needs to be in more things. But I feel like this is Joan of Arcadia. And I just... I'm not into anything with the spiritual and saving souls kind of thing. So it's just not for me. I'm sure it'll be a big hit and I'll eat my words, which by the way, full disclosure, we're both prepared for all of these to be huge hits and for us to eat our words in a month. Yes, absolutely. Um, my first one apparently is already a hit because it's had its first couple episodes already premiere um, and people are watching it and I don't understand why, but this is the new Seth MacFarlane sci-fi comedy drama that doesn't look funny at all called the Orville. It is very much trying to be Star Trek, but it's not a parody of Star Trek. Like, um, Oh, what was that Tim Allen movie? Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver movie 
Galaxy Quest. Yeah, it's not Galaxy Quest. It's very much an homage. It's very much like trying to just do what they did on Star Trek with a little bit more comedy. It does star Seth MacFarlane. I have nothing against Seth MacFarlane. Um, I'm not a huge fan, but I'm, I don't dislike him. Um, it also has Adrian Palicki, who I'll always watch anything she's on just, you know, from Friday Night Lights. I still have on my iTunes the, the pilot of Aquaman, which was a CW show with her and, uh, Justin Hartley, who's now on This Is Us. No one ever really saw that, but I'd watch that. Um, you know, it's got them. It had a cameo from Victor Garber in the first episode. You know, but it just Norm MacDonald, I guess, is a voice on something. It's just nothing about this looks interesting to me. It's got great people that show up in it or whatever. I just nothing about this is interesting to me. And that's going to become a theme here later on that I'm just not super interested in this kind of space travel stuff. I agree with you on that one. But I also a, another, a good point you just made is that a lot of this is there's just too much now. So the bar has been raised. Yeah, that's fair because there's there's so much peak TV. There's so many shows that it's got to really be good for it to jump out and for us to get interested enough to invest the time in to watch it. Jen, what's your next show that you're not interested in? Uh, is another one that you mentioned, The Good Doctor. Great. And and it was literally the reason I'm not interested in it is because of what you said. Like, it feels like House and it could be good, but I have a feeling it's going to be bad. I like Freddie Highmore too, but um, it just doesn't interest me. I'm kind of just not in. Thank you. Yeah, and I think what's interesting about this show is I have a feeling this is going to be fairly um, procedural, uh, you know, a, a case of the week kind of thing. And I think we've kind of moved beyond that from our intelligent TV. Like, I think House did it really well. But if that was in the time where they were kind of transitioning from a lot of procedurals that were like the really – high concept shows to where the high concept stuff has now become serialized. So I don't watch a lot of procedural shows, like almost none at all. So I'm interested to see if that one does actually make it interesting, but fingers crossed, but I, you know, I, I I'm on the fence about whether or not I think it can, can make it work, but all right, Jen, sticking on my theme of shows that I'm sure will be gigantic hits that I have no interest in mine is probably the show that's, if I had to guess, that will get picked up like within the first two weeks of airing for a full season. That's Young Sheldon. Uh, I think you and I both enjoy Big Bang Theory, but this has no interest to me. Um, I, I I hate to say this about a kid, but Ian Armitage annoys the living poop out of me, and he has for years. It's His whole persona seems to be a little bit too manufactured for me. So I don't love it. I do love the fact that Zoe Perry is playing the same character that her mother plays on The Big Bang Theory. So I love that. But besides Zoe Perry, I, n- absolutely nothing about this interests me whatsoever. Agreed with all the things you said. No offense, Ewan. We love you. Yeah. I, I won't tell you in that if I get to run into him when I see Hamilton in a couple months. Um, anyway. All right, Jen, what else is on your no list? I'm going to go with Dynasty. <laughs> okay, fair. Do we need another show of rich white people and their problems? Like, I get it. This was a thing in the 80s because that was 80s culture, but enough. We, like, I Enough. That's all I have to say. In fairness, uh, Dynasty, which is going to be airing on the CW, they have changed it so it's not two rich white families that hate each other. It's one rich white family and one rich black family. So, Ooh, how edgy. I know. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't uh, dismiss your overall point, um, but it does make it a little bit more palatable. But what I think is interesting is like – 
we've seen the CW try to redo shows from the 80s and the 90s a lot lately with they did 90210 that ran for a couple seasons they did Dallas which I think well that might that that was on TNT but still I, none of these things have worked why are we still trying to redo Aaron Spelling shows that nobody is interested in watching now I don't get it me neither and it's just like it's just so tired you know it's it was a different era <laughs> and that was very very popular in the 80s and 902 in the 90s like get a new idea it's just it's going to go on for a few years it's going to get some ratings and then it's going to get canceled move on and it makes me mad that shows like that are getting greenlit on the cw after they don't pick up no tomorrow which is a show that was so quirky and so original I, granted it, it probably will never never had the ratings it probably never had the ratings that Dynasty will get even on its worst night, but it was so different and unique and I really enjoyed it. And Dynasty just has no interest to me. But anyway. All right. Next up for me on my list of shows that I have zero interest in is Marvel's The Inhumans. Uh, this is a show that they tried to make a big deal and they released it in IMAX first and nobody cared. Nobody went and watched it in, in the movie theaters. Nobody was interested in it at all. And here's the reason. The Inhumans are a strange comic book property. They are a royal family that lives on the moon in a secret secret society on the moon that's hidden from everybody else. The, the royal family, let's break this down, are Black Bolt, who is the king... But he has his voice is so powerful that if he speaks, he will kill people. It's a weapon. Then you have Medusa, who is his wife, who is the queen. She can, she has the ability to control and move her hair. Then you've got um, Karnak, who is Black Bolt's cousin. He can see the fault in things and can avoid errors. He's a strategist. And and then they also have a giant telekinetic dog. This is the show that ABC is putting on the air. It's not a bad comic book. Oh. It's yeah, it's just it's not a bad comic book, but this is not a TV show. It's weird. They're trying to tie it into a lot of the stuff that happens on Marvel's Agents of Shield, which I gave up on. I've given up on multiple times actually. I gave up on it after in the middle of the second season. I came back last season, gave up in the middle of last season. They're trying to tie it in with the whole inhuman thing and the Terra Genesis, and I get that. Um it does have Serenda Swan, who I've been a fan of for it seems like maybe 15 years now, she was, oh, what's the magician character? Um, oh, crap. On She was on Smallville. She had a, a, a nice guest arc on Smallville. Then she was on the TV show Graceland with Aaron Tveit and, and Daniel Sunjata. So I really enjoyed her. So I, I was looking forward to this show, but it just looks so horrendously bad, Jen. I haven't heard of it, but it sounds horrendously bad. Yeah, it's, it's totes bad. Anyway, uh, Jen, what else do you have uh, on your no-no list? Wondering if you have this one too. It is an upcoming sitcom called Nine JKL. <laughs> it is actually the very next one on my list. Okay, so we can both talk about that. It's well, it's everybody loves Raymond. <laughs> uh, am I wrong? Um, it's. I think I think it's a little different. I mean, it, but you know, because I think it has to do more with like the parents and the kid living together. I don't think on everyone's little name when they live together. I think they just kind of like all showed up together, but it's just a terrible, it's a terrible CBS sitcom that'll probably do super well. It will. It, I mean, they know their audience by now and this, this will get high ratings. And it, I think this is another victim of those things that we've come into contact so many times where the cast is great. All the elements are there 
it's just it's going to be really mediocre writing to please uh, everybody across the board. And it will never be offensive or take on stances or take a position or anything. It's just it's a, it's going to be a ratings juggernaut. And it, CBS knows what they're doing. They know who their demo is and it'll be fine, but not for me. Yeah, uh, nor I. The cast is, uh, Mark Feuerstein is the lead. He was on that show, uh, Royal Pains. Uh, he was the lead on Royal Pains on USA. His parents are played by no less than Elliot Gould and Linda Lavin. So, I mean, like, this literally does have a fantastic cast. It just is zero interest to me at all. Uh, the, the official concept is, is that Feuerstein's character is a divorce actor. He lives in apartment 9K with his family living in adjacent apartments. His parents live in 9J while his brother and sister-in-law and their newborn baby live in 9L. That's where you get the ridiculous title 9JKL. It's awful. Yawn. Not interested. All right. My next one, sticking with the CBS. Uh, I got a lot of CBS on my list, Jen. This is one that I'm sure will be fantastic. It's gotten surprisingly strong feedback already, but it's very much in for the same reasons I don't have any interest in Orville. This is Star Trek Discovery. I don't, I don't care. I know plenty of people will watch this. It's a huge deal for to have another Star Trek TV show, even though it's not actually on CBS. It's on CBS All Access. So it's kind of its streaming service. And I think it's a really interesting way to uh, to do that. And I think that might be worth discussion at, at some point. It does star Anthony Rapp is on it. Um, Wilson Cruz is on it. Rain Wilson is in it. Um, so there are some people that I'm, I'd be interested in. Um but it's another Star Trek show. I've never watched a Star Trek show. I've never seen a Star Trek movie. This just doesn't interest me. Uh, great. I feel like Star Trek, you're either into it or you're not. And I'm in camp not. Yep, me too. All right, Jen, do you have uh, one more of these shows that you don't have any interest in watching? Well, it's kind of a controversial thing, but I'm going to pick a genre. And that's military shows. Including oh, there's, there's a lot of them. <laughs> SEAL, like SEAL Team, The Brave, Valor. I don't need to see dramatization of war. And not right now in this climate. I just feel like it's irresponsible. Um, but hypocritically, if you will, I will watch and would recommend The Vietnam War by Ken Burns. I mean, it's a sit. He's always never yeah. less than 16 hours, but... If, if you're interested in war and the history and the soldiers and our troops, watch the real stories. You don't need to watch dramatizations. That's just my little soapbox. Yeah, it's really interesting that this season there's a lot of military shows coming on the air that we haven't had that in a long time. Like, I used to love a show on CBS called The Unit. It's our Dennis Haysbert and TV's Scott Foley. It was a really good show. But that's really the last war military show that was on network television that did super well. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how these three shows differentiate themselves between each other. But to be honest with you, I'm not going to be watching them. So I'll have to rely on other people telling me why, uh, they're different and why one deserves to be on over the others or maybe none of them. My last show here, Jen, is another CBS thing. So on my list, if you're keeping track, I had six things. One of them we agreed on, and four of them were either on CBS or CBS All Access. Um, so that that tells you <laughs> where where my things lie. Um, this is called Wisdom of the Crowd. And I'm going to give you the description. But the only reason you need to know not to watch it is that Jeremy Piven stars in it. 
enough said, but I'm going to give you the description. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Wisdom of the Crowd is a drama about a visionary tech innovator who creates a cutting-edge crowdsourcing app to solve his daughter's murder and revolutionize crime-solving in the process. No, thank you. Out. Yes. No, no thank you. I'll go... I don't eat sushi, but I'd, I'd eat it just to spite Jeremy Piffin. Listen, the good news is, is that, well, obviously we are not the demo for CBS. Like, I don't watch anything nope. on CBS. I'm just, like, even Big Bang Theory has grown steel for, stale for me. But if you want any updates on any of these shows, I can guarantee you I will get a full rundown every Thursday <laughs> night on the phone with my mother because these are all upper alley. Yeah, your, your mom's going to be a big nine JKL fan. She, oh my God, she was the biggest fan of The Odd Couple and considered writing a letter when it got canceled. Well, look, I mean, Matthew Perry and Tom Lennon are both great, but I didn't even watch. I mean, that that's based on a classic, iconic Broadway play, and I didn't watch it, if that tells you anything. But that's the demo. Just simple, not controversial, like white bread comedy. Well, you know, what's weird about that is, is that I'm going to give CBS a little bit of credit here with Mom, because Mom does break the mold. It looks like one of the normal CBS sitcoms, but it does go into some topics um, with addiction and alcoholism and then loss. I mean, char- main, main characters have died on the show. So, I mean, I, I give them a little credit with Mom, but everything else you're right is just so cookie cutter and just so... I think I don't know if you meant it when you said white bread, but it's also very white. Uh, just man, general. I'm so unintentional tonight, but hilarious. Yes, you are. You are killing it tonight. Uh, but yeah, so that's just not something that I'm super interested in at all. Watching CBS, so oh well. All right, Jen, we're going to just do a real quick rundown of shows that we are excited about returning. We're not going to get into uh, a lot of detail on these because I feel like we're we're excited about these shows returning, which means we've talked about them a lot before. So we're just going to talk about them real quick. Jen, why don't you go ahead and start? I think I know what you're going to start with on shows that are returning this season that you are already all in on. <laughs> I'm going to go against my uh, boycott of NBC for the new 8.30 to 9.30 slot, which will be The Good Place, my new favorite comedy, and my 10 years ago favorite comedy, Will and Grace. <laughs> Very nice. Yes. The Good Place, which debuted earlier this week um, with its second season premiere, is it got better. I don't know how it got better, but this second season was fantastic. All you have to know is penis flattener and butthole spiders. That's all you need to know. It's so good. So funny. So good. Team Cheaty. Team Cheaty. Yes. Um, Okay. I'm going to stick with NBC, Jen. I am super excited to see, no pun intended, um, what happens on this new season of Superstore. I know you never got into this show. I think it's very funny. I think it's very smart. At the end of last season, (laughs) a tornado destroyed their store, destroyed the Superstores, destroyed their Cloud 9. It's really Walmart. And now I guess they're going to have to be rebuilding um, but I'm really excited. I love America Ferreira. Like I would follow her to the ends of the earth. I think she is a fantastic human being and a fantastic actress. Um, so I really love Superstore. I'm excited to see that one come back on September 28th at 8 p.m. What about you, Jen? I am excited for Mr. Robot season three. Yep. I don't know why it got so much pushback for season two. I loved season two. If for no other reason, then it renewed my love for Phil Collins album. No jacket required. <laughs> um, the reason I didn't love season two as much as I loved season one, I didn't dislike season two. It just felt like it was a little bit of a retread of some of the same themes that happened in season one. But 
again, going back to what we talked about earlier with Ghosted, Craig Robinson always ups the enjoyment factor of whatever he's in, even if it's hot tub time machine. So either way, um, Jen, the same with Adam Scott in the good place, because yes. even as great as the good place is, it's better because Adam Scott is on it. Absolutely. All right, Jen, I'm going to get off of uh, NBC and I'm going to go to ABC with a show that I know you stopped watching. I don't know if you're going to get back on it here for the final season, but I'm excited to see what happens in the final season of Scandal. This is one of those guilty pleasure shows for me, this and how to get away with murder. They've decreased in quality over over the years, but they're still really enjoyable and I really appreciate the performances. So I'm excited to see what happens with Olivia Pope in this final season because to be honest with you, Jen, that white hat that she always bragged about wearing... Not so white anymore. So uh, I, I, I'd like to see where Shonda takes it in this final season. I haven't decided. I think I'm going to um, put out the feelers and see what people think. But All right. Sounds good. Do you have any others that you're excited to see? Um, I'm going to stick with – well, I, I listed five just because you told me to. But um, <laughs> I'm going to stick with the guilty pleasure theme, which you will roll your eyes so hard at, but I – do not apologize for loving the crap out of Riverdale that I'm so excited for it to come back. I think it comes back next week, but it's like this, this influx of like nineties TV icons, like Skeet Ulrich and Luke Perry. And uh, it's Molly just really Ringwald. exciting. Molly Ringwald. And it's so fun. It's just, it's just that guilty pleasure. I can't apologize for. Sorry. Uh, no, there's no reason to apologize. I watched the first couple episodes and it, I didn't dislike it. It just didn't move to the top of my list. And I just got behind. I actually follow most of the cast on social media because they're really good on social media. Um, so I might try to get back into it. I, I don't know. Um, all right, Jen, I'm going to stick with the CW. Unsurprisingly, the show that I am probably most excited. You know what it is. Yeah, you know what it is. It's Jane the Virgin. It comes back, unfortunately, on Friday. Ugh, October 13th at 9 p.m. It will follow a show that I'm sure you're very excited about. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. They moved Crazy Ex-Girlfriend to Friday last season. They're moving Jane the Virgin to Fridays this season. Jane the Virgin will have a shorter season. The showrunners asked to have a 16-episode season this year because they felt like their story is better, a little shorter. I disagree because I love every episode. But I will say, I've been telling my mom, who got me started watching soap operas when I was a kid, that she needed to watch Jane the Virgin, that she'd love it, she'd enjoy it. My mom... Every time I recommend something to her, she asks me, does it have a happy ending? And while Jane has some drama, and as we, obviously we've talked about it on this show, it has some some low points. It generally is a happy show. So I'm very excited that I finally got her to binge watch it. Um, and she's in the past like three or four weeks or a month, she's gotten through like a season and a half, which is weird for my mom because she does not watch TV. And I'll get occasional updates as to where she is. But I love Jane the Virgin. Very, very excited that it's coming back and excited to see what happens uh, with that season moving forward on a Friday night. Boy, do I understand that because my mom calls me every week to tell me about the new Friends episode she just watched. <laughs> well, I mean, at least my mom is watching something from the last two years, not the last two decades. Yeah. Um, I just have two more, uh, both based on their finales because they were kind of cliffhangers. I'm not – Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is one of them, but I'm not going to say what that was because I know you haven't watched season two yet. So I'm excited for that to come back. And the other one is Last Man on Earth, which ended with Kristen yep. Wiig. So, uh, hi. Talk about the Adam Scott Craig Robinson factor. Add Kristen Wig to anything. It's only going to get better. Yeah, she's fantastic. I'm really excited to see how they involve this character in the show and how long she'll stay around. Will she go Will Ferrell, you know, 
30 seconds into this premiere. Who knows? But I'm excited to see what happens. That was on my list, so I'm going to do one more. I'm excited to see what happens with DC's Legends of Tomorrow. If you would have told me a year ago, two years ago, that DC's Legends of Tomorrow would be my favorite superhero show on TV, I would have laughed at you because of how much I enjoyed The Flash, how much I enjoyed Supergirl, um, with all the other stuff going on. Supergirl had a, in my opinion, disastrous second season. It was bordering on terrible. The Flash has lost all of the fun that it had in its first few seasons. The Legends of Tomorrow, it's just fun and goofy and it doesn't take itself too seriously. There's some meta jokes in there. I really, really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. So if you want something that's just a little goofy and, you know, has that superhero flair, has Victor Garber in it. Um, Katie Lotz is fantastic as, as the white canary, as the leader of the ship. It's, it's really, really good. Um, so I'm looking forward to having that back just to have something that's a little fun, a little frivolous and uh, can give me a little bit of superhero uh, injections when I need it. All right, Jen, there's two more things that I wanted to mention. We were going to do another section here, but we, since we doubled up on things, we kind of dipped into our reserves here. But there are two shows that I'm looking forward to. They are both on streaming services, and they both come out on November 13th. The first is a TV show based on a podcast, and that is called Lore. Are you familiar with the Lore podcast, Jen? Of course. Okay, it's one of those iconic... Yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, I figured you would. Um, it's one of those iconic podcasts where he kind of talks about some potentially supernatural things, and it's really kind of a documentary. He just—it's just the host talking about these things. It's not acted. It's not scripted. There's not interviews. It's just him talking about it. It has been turned into a TV show that will begin on, like I said, November thirteenth on Amazon. So I'm excited to see what they do with that, and then. The other show that's debuting on that day is on Netflix. It's called Mind Hunter. It's the new David Fincher show on on Netflix. It is starring and Jen. I'm surprised you didn't mention it just for this. It is starring uh, King George the Third, the Second, Jonathan Groff. Um, it also stars Anna Torv from Fringe. It also um, features a guest arc from the great and the wonderful Mark Kudish. Um, so I'm excited to see what this is all about. Um, Charlize Theron is one of the executive producers as well. Set in 1979, it revolves around two FBI agents um, who interview imprisoned serial killers in order to understand how such criminals think and apply it to solving ongoing cases. So it feels kind of like Criminal Minds set in the 70s with a guy who can sing his butt off. God damn it. You know what? I saw the ad for that and I was like, <laughs> oh, I got to remember to talk about that. And I didn't remember it until you just said Jonathan Groff. Yeah. Groff sauce is awesome. Anyway, so uh, that's it. We'll keep an eye out for that. And uh, we'll catch up on these sometime in, later in the fall, Jen, and see uh, how the shows we were looking forward to panned out, how the shows that we weren't looking forward to have now become critical successes and ratings bonanzas and cultural phenomenons that we are probably going to be far too late to jump on the bandwagon for. 100%. So, Jen, let's finish up this episode with a little show and tell where we auditorily show people something and tell them why we enjoy it so much. Uh, you told me what your uh, show and tell was earlier today, and it couldn't be more on brand for you unless Lin-Manuel Miranda was involved. That is very true. Um, we don't really talk about our musical taste outside no. of musicals. <laughs> yes. And uh, I, I'm a big hip hop fan, but... 
I, my roots go back to classic rock and hard rock and roll because that's what my brothers raised me on. So my absolute favorite band in the world is the Foo Fighters. And who shows up on Carpool Karaoke last night but the Foos? Uh, I think Dave Grohl is my hero. He's probably my favorite rock star in history. So, you know, this checked a lot of boxes for me. But he, there's just no better rock and roll screamer out there. I just, you know, this segment is very popular. Obviously, it's spawned off into a TV show. But I really love how much these guys love each other and know each other so well. And and they're so, they're such rock and rollers. Like, Pat Smear, you know, he's bopping along in the back and Dave's singing his heart out. And Taylor Hawkins is the drummer and he's singing out because they're the two singers. Dave sings melody, Taylor sings harmony. The other guys are like dancing along to their parts. Pat Smear's bumping along to the bass and the other guy's bumping along. It's just so cute. I love them so much. And the ultimate is when James Corden challenges Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins to a drum off and they end up in a guitar center on sunset that I drive by every day. And these, they all just walk into guitar center. So it's a great watch. And, um, I mean, I don't have to give any promotion to carpool karaoke for God's sakes, but, uh, it was just, it made me so happy this week. And there's so much crap going on in the world right now. Like those moments of pure joy, you just cling to. So that's my show and tell James Corden and the Foo Fighters and carpool karaoke. When was the last time the Foo Fighters were all in a van together traveling like this? Six days ago. (laughs) Really? Yeah, we're all in one mode of transport. Yes. It usually happens that we'll show up to an airport and I'll have three or four vans for us and we all pile into one. Why? Why is that? Why is that? Because... You don't want to be the one guy not in the van. Because <laughs> when you're the one guy not in the van, you know who they're talking about. <laughs> Can you imagine being the cashier at Guitar Center to see those no. people walk in? Because if you're working at Guitar Center, you probably are fairly familiar with the Foo Fighters. And uh, to see them walk in with camera crews and stuff and James Corden, that had to like just blow their minds uh so i'm excited i haven't seen that yet it just happened the night before we taped so i'm excited to see that one i think i had told you earlier today like if i had been driving by that guitar center and saw the foo fighters walking in i would have been in so many accidents pulling a u-turn and then i just would have gotten (laughs) out of my car car and left it on sunset to go in because i my love for the foos is real yeah we're gonna have to talk about the uh, the name foo fighters is that an like an alien hunter reference. Is that what that's from? Oh, I can, I, I knew this. Um, when Dave recorded the demo, he just wanted to record music after Nirvana broke up. You know, he, you know, he wanted to do something different after Kurt died. He didn't want to be a drummer anymore. He wanted to do something different because his drumming memories were with Kurt and Nirvana. So he decided to record a demo, but he didn't have a band yet. So he recorded all the different parts and just came up with this stupid name, the Foo Fighters, so that he could submit it to a record company before he got a band. It's a made-up name. Hmm. Very interesting. All right. My show and tell, Jen, actually harkens back to something we've already talked about, and that is The Good Place. This is a warning to anybody who has not watched the first season of The Good Place or has not watched the season finale of the first season of Good Place. We're going to spoil the ever-loving poop out of that with my show and tell. So if you don't want to know what happens, check the show notes. I'll tell you when we we are done with this and move to the end. I don't know why you'd want to listen to the uh, outro. If, you know. Anyway, um, but 
All right. Now that everyone who's unfamiliar with what happened at the end of The Good Place is gone, in the season finale of The Good Place, there's this huge reveal that The Good Place is actually not The Good Place. It's The Bad Place. And that all of the people that are these humans that we've been focusing on are actually being tortured specifically by Ted Danson's character and everyone else there um, is there specifically to make their lives miserable. The show's creator, Michael Schur, who is Ken Tremendous on Twitter, and if you're not following him, you should, he told Ted Danson and Kristen Bell very early on. They knew from the very beginning. No one else in the cast did, and Schur said that he was a little conflicted about this, but he wanted them to be able to act their given intentions as well as possible without having to deal with the fact that it was all a sham. Kristen Bell, being the wonderful human that she is, she decided to record their reactions when Michael Schur revealed what would happen in the season finale. And it is now up and out on the interwebs. And I'm going to put that in the show notes. It's so great. The only bad thing about it is, is that it cuts off. I wanted to see more of their reaction. Uh, but it is pretty incredible to see uh, William Jackson Harper, Manny Yacenta, Darcy Carden, and Jamila Jamil uh, react to this news because they all freak out just like Jen, I feel like you and I did when we watched it. Uh, and these are the people who are making the show. So it just makes me really appreciate the fact that how well this show is made. And it makes me like these people even more to know that they responded in the exact same way that I did. And everyone looks at her and is like, what is going on? And she goes, you know, it took me a long time to figure this out. But just now when we were all fighting and screaming and yelling at each other about which one of us was going to get to go to the bad place, it finally hit me. They're never going to call a train to send us to the bad place. They can't because we're already here. This is the bad place. Oh! You all turn to Michael and he goes, Oh, God damn it, Eleanor. Oh, you ruined everything. Oh, this was so much fun. Oh, my God. And he collapses into a chair and that's the end of Act 2. Oh, my God. So. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, so. Keep going, keep going, keep going. I actually just saw this clip this morning. Hmm. So. Um, but I loved it and I loved how one by one they realized it. Like they didn't all realize it at the same time. If you look, yeah, who's the, the guy that plays Gian Yu slash Jason? Um, that is Manny Yacenta. Cause he kind of like his eyes went, went open and then he looked around and then he kind of realized he's like, wait a minute. And he's like, Oh my God. It was just so adorable. Like, God, I love them so much. <laughs> yeah. It's a really, it's such a good show. Uh, I, I, I love this show and I love the fact, Jen, I gotta be honest with you, Jen. I, I'm as we know, I don't watch a ton of comedies, but I feel like over the last few years, there's been a lot of comedies that have interested me more than in recent years, whether it's uh, Last Man on Earth, it's this, it's Superstore. And there's been others that interest me, but not ones that I watch religiously. Like I, I'm interested in Blackish. You and I both appreciated um, Speechless last year, but didn't care enough to watch it religiously. But I don't know if it's a little bit of a resurgence in the types of offbeat comedies that I enjoy. But um, I really appreciate when I can enjoy a comedy because I don't always love them. That when there are some that are really good, it makes me really, really excited to be able to watch them on a regular basis. Although shout out to Blackish because I heard that their premiere is uh, Hamilton esque. Oh really? Is is David in it? Um, I don't. They're not really saying a lot. I'm sure David is in it, but I think they're trying to prove a point about powerful art. And uh, Anthony Anderson had mentioned something about rehearsing a song, so I don't know if it's a musical episode or 
what, but it it is Hamilton-esque. All right, we'll have to keep an eye out for that one then. All right, thanks for listening to this episode of Broadway World Sound Like a Pop Podcast. You can find all of our episodes on broadwayworld.com as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So make sure to subscribe, download, and share the gift that is Sound Like a Pop. Also, do our egos a favor and follow us on Twitter at SLIP Podcast. You can find Jen at Ebony and Q and me at BWW Matt. Let us know what you think of the TV shows that we are either looking forward to or not looking forward to on this episode. And we'll be back at some point with that you know that uh list of palooza that we recorded in uh early july that i still haven't put out yet but that'll be our next one and then we'll come back sometime in october uh with a new episode to catch you up on everything else until then we'll see you around the broadway world